Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. future paleontologist. I'm Dinosaur George and welcome to the podcast. I hope everybody had a great weekend because I say that because it's Sunday. Today's date is July 24th and it's Sunday evening, which means the weekend is winding down. Where you are, it might already be Monday. But here in San Antonio, Texas, it's Sunday. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. A couple of things to go over. We have now had 412,000 downloads of this podcast. Thank you all so very much for listening. I hope you are enjoying it as much as I am. I'm having a great time. We are now heard in 152 countries around the world, and that's 10,528 cities all across this beautiful planet of ours. So... This podcast is being heard around the world, and I'm just thrilled about it. And that's because of you. That's because you and your parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends are telling other people about it. And that's why the podcast is becoming so popular, because you are letting people know that it is a safe podcast and it's fun and it's family friendly. So thank you all so very much for that. I appreciate you immensely. A couple of announcements. I want to say thank you to everyone that came out to the grand opening event of my um, new museum expansion at Traders Village. It was great. The turnout was amazing. So many wonderful young people came out. I got to meet so many of you, and it's just absolutely great. It was great seeing you all. Now, this coming weekend, which, again, you're listening to this podcast on on June— I'm June, July 24th. So this coming weekend, which will be July 30th and 31st, the museum will be open, but I won't be there. I've got another event that I have to do. So I just want you all to know that in this particular case, I won't be there. Now, for those of you that live in or around the Houston, Texas area, and more specifically, the Lake Jackson area, On August the 6th, my traveling museum will be set up for the Brazosport Museum. The Museum of Natural History, which is actually in Clute, Texas, I will be there. I don't have the address of where it is, but you will be able to see it on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. We'll post it there. So if you live in or around, and that, that place is kind of south of Houston, But if you live or you're visiting anywhere along the coast in that general area, I hope you come by and see my traveling museum because it will be here. We've also hit, um, we've had, we now have over 550 Patreon members. And when we hit 600 members, when when we reach 600 members, we are going to have a giveaway. We'll talk about that more in upcoming podcasts. So once we've reached... Um, once we've reached 
600 members, then we will do a giveaway. We'll have a drawing and it'll be a lot of fun. So that will be a celebration of that. So right now, let's see, as of right this minute, let me see if I can bring this up and see exactly how many Patreon club members we have. We have, where is it? I can't find it. I can't find my numbers. Where are my numbers? My numbers are right in front of you, Dinosaur George. We have 553 members as of right now. So we have 553 members. So once we reach 600, so if you'd like to join the Patreon club, you can go to my website, which is dinosaurgeorge.com. And there's information there on how to become a Patreon club member. All right, a couple of shout outs, actually a lot of shout outs, a bunch. First, let me give a shout out to my Patreon club members, my T-Rex members who are having birthdays. Uh, Some of these I missed the last time. So James, who was six years old, his birthday was back on June 25th. Um, Eliodoro, 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 hey, what a cool name. Uh, Birthday, July 25th. Whoa, July 25th. That's tomorrow. We'll be turning eight years old. Henry, who is be turning four, is July 29th. And Caleb is turning seven on July 29th. So happy birthday to all of you. And James, I'm sorry I missed your birthday back in June. So uh, we always make it a point to do birthday greetings for our T-Rex members of the Patreon Club. But now let's get to the shout outs. Get ready for this. All right. This first shout out goes out to little Lilia, who was three and a half years old. I met at Trader's Village today. She came out with her mom. They were down here visiting. I saw her little Triceratops necklace, which was beautiful, Lilia. And I'm so glad that you got that really cool, big, long neck dinosaur with a collar. So shout out to Lilia. Shout out to Toby and Rowan, who came to see me at Trader's Village as well this weekend. Toby and Rowan. Nice to see both of you. I believe that uh, they took their car, their parents' car, and drove themselves. Okay, I'm teasing. They didn't do that. Toby, Rowan, I hope you guys enjoyed the the visit. It was great meeting you and your family. And then Stephen and Eric, who were here from Florida, came out to see me at Trader's Village. So nice to meet you guys. I had so much fun talking to your family. Nice to meet you and nice to see you. Then my traveling museum was in Colleyville, Texas. And um, while I was there, I've got to see some of my Patreon club members, which is so cool. Uh, John, uh, who was there with his two sisters and dad. So, John, shout out to you and your two sisters and your dad. It was nice seeing you. And then I met Tristan out there. Tristan was at Colleyville Public Library with my traveling museum. Nice to see you, Tristan. It was nice meeting you. And then Chloe. Ah, my dear Chloe. Chloe, you were so nice. You waited months when I promised you I was going to give you a shout out. It took months. So because Chloe was so nice, I let her take a picture holding the skull of Utah Raptor. That was crazy. So it was nice seeing you and your family, Chloe. And then, uh, and these are club club members, uh, Emily and Benjamin. So good seeing you two little stinkers again. You guys were so much fun. It was nice seeing your family again. 
Um, so nice seeing you guys, and I hope you enjoyed the traveling museum. If you were eaten by a dinosaur, sorry. Another club member, Trip, came out there to see me at Colleyville Library. So nice to meet you, Trip, and nice to meet your family. So nice. And then also, Noah and Austin were at the Colleyville Library. So good seeing you guys. Now, during the grand opening of my museum, I got to meet Easton, Liam, and Leo. And their mom and dad. So nice to meet you three. I hope you enjoyed it. I saw Calvin at Trader's Village, which was so cool. And then I met Liam and Mia, who came from Corpus Christi. And I think it's Mia, right? It's not Maya. I think it's Mia. Isn't that right? Shake your head yes, Mia, if it's Mia. Shake your head no, if it's Maya. And I will look through your radio or your headphones or your tablet and see if you're shaking your head. Let's see. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, good. I can see you. Liam, stop picking your nose. Okay, so I got to meet you guys, which was great. And, you know, hopefully I'll go down to Corpus and see you all again. And then Corey, I got to meet Corey, his mom and his dad. So nice to meet you guys. And then Kennedy, Kennedy, who, by the way, she's going to be a paleontologist. And I bet you're going to be a good one, Kennedy. So I got to meet Kennedy. I got to meet Wyatt T-Rex Turner from Midland. Came all the way from Midland. That's a long drive. That's like five or six or seven hours. I got to meet Wyatt T-Rex and his mom. It was nice meeting both of you. I got to see T-Rex members Clara and Marcus. They came by, which was so cool. And then, and then, Jiganota Ethan And mom and dad I met at Trader's Village, which again was so cool. So to all of you, and I know, I know there was a lot more of you out there that I forgot. I feel so bad, but please understand it was nice meeting all of you. So shout outs to all of you and to everybody who listened, uh, listens to this podcast. Thank you all so very much. Very, very nice. All right. Let's talk about today's feature creature it's time for our feature creature segment if you would like to suggest a creature go to the dinosaur george kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the dinosaur george kids facebook group page now here is your feature creature Well, today's feature creature is a very cool dinosaur with a hard name to pronounce. It is Yangchawanasaurus. Yangchawanasaurus. This dinosaur's name means Yangchuan lizard. Yangchuan is a place in China where this dinosaur was discovered. That's the name of the area where it was discovered. This dinosaur was 2.5 meters long. And it was, and that's like, that's a big dinosaur. That's a really big dinosaur. And it was, uh, and that's like 34 feet or 35 feet long. That's a big dude. So this is a big dinosaur and it weighed probably about three and a half tons. Now it was the apex predator of its time. Apex means top. So when somebody uses the term apex predator, that means the top of the food chain. 
It lived during the middle to late Jurassic period, 160 to 144 million years ago. So this is a dinosaur that lived long before Tyrannosaurus rex. It was a dinosaur. It was a carnivore and it was bipedal, meaning it walked on two legs. Now, this dinosaur is very, very, very similar to my favorite dinosaur, which is Allosaurus. This dinosaur is very similar, and I'll explain why in a minute. They probably hunted in packs because we see that with Allosaurus. There's some evidence that would suggest Allosaurus was a pack hunter. It, uh, it was probably bringing down maybe baby or maybe young dinosaur, dinosaurs like Momentosaurus, like Momentosaurus' big long-necked dinosaur. It probably was focused on those kind of animals. See, when you're a big predator, you want to hunt big prey because that way you only have to make a kill once in a while. And then you could stay there for the next three or four or five days and continue to feed. If you're killing little things, you have to go out and hunt every single day. And every day that you hunt, every day that you hunt, you run the risk of being injured. Now, you might think, well, if it's hunting little things, how could it get injured? Oh, what if it's chasing something and that animal turns quickly and Yangchuanosaurus can't turn fast enough and breaks its leg trying to turn or trips and falls and breaks some of its ribs or breaks its arm or smashes its head on the ground and breaks its jaw? It doesn't matter how big the animal is you're chasing. What matters is you could be injured while you're hunting. So if you can bring down bigger prey, even though that bigger prey can battle and they can fight, if you can bring it down, then you're able to feed uh, for a long time off of that animal. And that is why you're probably going to hunt with other members of your family so that you can bring down something big. Yangchuanosaurus is a big dinosaur, but it is absolutely not It's not going to take on giant prey by itself because, once again, the possibility of being hurt exists. So I think that they are focusing their attention on bigger prey. Now, like Allosaurus, Yangchuanosaurus has long arms with three claws. And from all the evidence, it looks like they are using those claws as weapons, maybe to grab the prey, maybe to slash it, maybe to play the piano. What? What was that last one? What did I just say? It could grass play. It could grasp its prey, right? It could slash it. It could play the piano. Yeah, yeah, those are all right. Okay, so as, okay, something is wrong and I don't know what it is. I have no idea what it is. And why are you laughing? Why are you people laughing? There's nothing funny about a Yang source playing the piano. They all did. Who do you think? entertained the other dinosaurs when they all went out to parties. Hello, Yangchoanosaurus played the piano. From this point on, I'm going to say it. That's the new rules. Yangchoanosaurus played the piano. So for those of you that like to draw, I would like for you to draw a picture of Yangchoanosaurus playing the piano and then post those pictures on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page. (laughs) <laughs> I want you to, <laughs> or if you have a piano in your house, put a Yang Chuanosaurus on the piano and take a picture. You can use an Allosaurus for that picture, by the way, because they look very similar. So that is, your 
That is your new rules. <laughs> oh, that's your new project. I want you to draw a picture of Yank Joinsaurus playing the piano. <laughs> <laughs> so now. I mentioned a little bit before about it looking and being very close related to Allosaurus. How is that possible? Allosaurus lives in North America and a couple of other countries, but Yangchuanosaurus lives all the way in China. How do you have two dinosaurs living on two different continents that look the same? How is that possible? Is it luck? Probably not. What it means is those dinosaurs, their ancestors could walk. They could travel. They could migrate from North America to China because all the continents were connected like one giant landmass. You used to be able to walk from North America to Africa, to Australia, to Antarctica, to China. It was crazy. So as these dinosaurs migrated, and they probably moved to find better places to live, they were probably looking for more prey. They heard that the pianos in China were better than the ones in North. Okay, enough with the pianos. I'm sorry, everybody. Forget that part. But they were capable of traveling long distances and over generation after generation. That means mom having kids, those kids growing up, uh, the females having more kids and more kids and more kids. That's what a generation is. Ask your parents if they can explain a generation. Like there's you. There's your parents, there's your grandparents, there's your great-grandparents. Each one of those is a generation of of people. So dinosaurs did the same thing. They had parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-grandparents. Enough! Okay, we get it. So over time, the land began to separate. So those that lived in China were still related to those in North America but they became sort of different animals because they lived in different environments. So Yangchuanosaurus is, is the, the, um, the match in China to Allosaurus here in North America. They were one of the top predators of their time. They were probably relatively fast. They had three claws on each hand. They had very sharp teeth. They probably hunted in groups, or at least they could hunt in groups if they wanted to take on um, uh, something really big. And I believe they probably spent their time hunting big game, not chasing little things because they could get hurt. So that's Yang Chuanosaurus. And I hope that you learned some new information. Most importantly, I hope that you learned that of all the dinosaurs that ever lived, Yang Chuanosaurus was the best at playing the piano. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It was the best at playing the piano. Okay. That's it. Hey, speaking about the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, if you would like to join that group, it's completely free. You do not have to pay anything. You hear me talk about the Patreon Club, and there's benefits to joining the Patreon Club, but you don't have to spend money to be part of the group. Listening to this podcast, you're part of the group. I may never get to meet you and I may not get to talk to you, but you're still part of the group and I consider you to be my family. But if you would like to have a place where you can post pictures and questions, that's the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, not the Dinosaur George page. The Dinosaur George page is really 
we use that to communicate to schools, like when we travel to schools. So there's not as much fun stuff. But on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, that is the place where you can post pictures and do all that cool stuff. So speaking of that, let me jump over real quick and check it out. This is great. This is a video from the Fig family. Now, I told you I gave them a shout out. They are from Corpus Christi, and they made a cool little video. And let's see what this video is. And what would help is if I turned the volume up. Wouldn't that be great? You know what it is? I'm still confused about the whole piano thing. Could be between actually you posted this before we were at So they are actually listening to my podcast. Oh, wow. Wow. What a who would win there, Archaeotherium versus the short-faced bear. Man, listen, that would be a battle to end all battles. Thank you so much, Mom or Dad, for posting this video. I hope you guys had a good time. I hope you enjoyed yourself. And that's an amazing battle. And I got to tell you something. Um, If I can, I may try to see if I can add that to ours because that's a very, very good one. That's a very good one. Okay, let's see. Oh, this is so cool. Now, this is from the Thompson family. Uh, Today, they were, uh, let's see, they were at the zoo, and then they came over to my museum. How cool is that? Good to see you, little stinkers. Good seeing you guys. That was so cool, and I'm so glad you got to come by. It was nice seeing you all. Let's see. uh, Dino Simon and Triceratopsilia. And they posted a who would win and they posted beautiful pictures. You guys, these are great. These are really, really great. I love this. I want to eat you, but first, do you want these flowers? How nice. A Spinosaurus gave this dinosaur some flowers before it ate it. What kind of a Spinosaurus is that? (laughs) And then four-year-old James became a big fan of the podcast. Hi, James. Um, just finished listening to Carnotaurus episode. He wanted to send his diorama that he set up. I really like this. And, and he wanted to make sure to show me his Allosaurus eating a fish and a Carnotaurus fighting. This is great. I hope one day, James, I get to meet you and your family. I think that'd be cool. And I love that very much. I really love that a lot. Uh, and of course I had mentioned to you guys that, um, I got to see so many people out at uh, Colleyville, and there's a great picture on there. <laughs> there's a great picture on there of the Butler family <laughs> where <laughs> Sam was trying to get a picture with me in front of a megalodon, but I covered his face with my hand. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And speaking about doing that, speaking about doing that, <laughs> these guys. <laughs> The, the Pulaski family came in and I took a picture with them and I covered their faces completely. And then they said they found El Stinko's car. All right, let's get this over with right here and right now, you two rotten kids. For those of you that are new to the podcast, let me explain what El Stinko is. All right. Whenever people wanted to do who would wins, every now and then, some rotten little kid would want to know who would win. 
some dinosaur against me. I was being eaten by everything. Why was I being attacked by everything? But that's what they did to me. So I said that I have one secret weapon. And that was my stinky underarms. That if one of those dinosaurs attacked me, I would lift up my arm and a stink bomb would come flying out from under my arm and it would stink out the dinosaur and I would win. Okay. Well, then somebody talked about El Stinko. Now, El Stinko is a superhero, but no one knows the identity of El Stinko. But these rotten kids keep saying it's me. It's not me. I am not El Stinko. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. Stronger than Superman. Smarter than Batman. Faster than the Flash. No one knows the identity. So don't call me El Stinko because that's not me. No one knows who El Stinko is. All right, let's keep going. (laughs) Addison had a dinosaur cake. Hey, Addy, that's a great cake. I like that. Boy, I want to come eat that thing. It looks like a T-Rex and a Spinosaurus fighting on a cake. Oh, I'm going to go try to eat that cake. That is really, really cool. Then the Phillips family posted some videos and really good pictures of some looks like the big robot dinosaurs, which is very, very cool. Uh, and then this uh, this is really, really cool. Um, this is from Abel Rex who posted some pictures when they got to visit Dinosaur National Monument. Wow, that's a great place. I'm glad you liked it, Abel, and thank you for posting those pictures. That is so cool. Phillips family again. Now, this is in England. A place called Paradise Park posted some really, really nice pictures. These are great. That's what I love about this page is everybody posting these great pictures. Now, this is from um, the Bromley family. Uh, My four-year-old loves your podcast. Well, thank you very much. Ripley has been obsessed with dinosaurs since she was two. Well, Ripley, I know the feeling, honey. I'm the same way. And she drew a beautiful ankylosaurus. Ripley, I hope you draw a Yang Chuanosaurus playing the piano because that was your your project. But I love that. I love that very much. That's a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. Now, this is a T-Rex member, Andrew Sarkis. What a great name. uh, got really excited about Camp Cretaceous and made a scene with it. This is beautiful. You have a backdrop, you have volcanoes, you have a lake, you have absolutely everything. This is beautiful. Congratulations for doing that. Now, this is from the Sharf family. This is nice. Uh, you just got a new book called Lone Star Dinosaurs. That is a great book. It's all about dinosaurs from Texas. So I hope you read it and I hope you enjoyed it because that's a very, very, very good one. That's really, really cool. That's so cool. Let me just go through some of these. Let's see. Frederick, who's two and a half in Georgia, is five. In St. Louis, drew a picture of dinosaur George versus a blue dinosaur while in Cancun. What was I doing in Cancun? And why was I fighting a blue dinosaur? You naughty little kids. Well, at least he didn't call me a stinko. Thea and Ezra, age seven and five, from Ireland. Hey, that's where my mom's family is from, Ireland. Made awesome sea and prehistoric creatures uh, with hammer beads. Hey, that's cool. And then Ripley, again, that is so cool, that, that ankylosaurus. 
So nice. So for all of you, and I know so many of you sent me some great stuff. Mason Allosaurus did a, sent a neat video. Um, so many of you. This is from the Descupta family. Hey, El Stinko, a T-Rex versus El Stinko with no stink bombs. But what did you just say? What did you, what did you just say? Did you say El Stinko? Who is El Stinko? No one knows the identity of El Stinko. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. Silas Scorpius Rex, uh, great suggestion about Patago Titan. That's a good dinosaur. Uh, let's see, <laughs> you guys. Oh, Titan Stephen Boa, uh, Titanus Stephen Boa. Uh, sent a uh, baryonics very good and i'm glad you enjoyed the lesson i'm very glad gabe lodon what a great name had a guest with dinner tonight dino uh dino friend rexy hey look at that uh that dinosaur looks like he's trying to eat your food uh you need to be careful gabe lodon because that naughty t-rex their favorite food is mac and cheese so don't let it eat your mac and cheese all right, my friends, that is so cool. How about we do a couple of Ask Dinosaur George questions? What do you say? Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, uh, let's start off with one of my Patreon Club members. This is little Phineasaurus, who's four years old, wants to know, did penguins live during the Ice Age? Yes, they did, my little friend. Yes, they did. They certainly lived during the Ice Age. Now, I cannot remember. I can't remember um, which species they, uh, which species they they were which one it was called. I can't remember the name of the species, but I do know that there was penguins and one of them was really big. One of those penguins was really, really tall. And I want to say almost like taller than most humans. So there definitely were. What a great question. All right. Emerson, who's a Patreon member asked, how fast was Draco Rex? Emerson, Emerson, I think Draco Rex was pretty fast when you're small Speed is very important if you don't have a covering of body armor. And Draco Rex did not. Now, Draco Rex definitely had horns and little bumps on its head, but that's not the same thing as body armor. Having armor on your skull is great, but when a meat eater attacks you, it's going to go for your body, not your head. And if you don't have body armor, then you need speed. You either have to have speed, you have to have camouflage to help you hide, or you might have to have night vision or you have to know how to ride a motorcycle. Whatever the case, you needed to get away. What? Uh, okay, forget that part. I'm sorry. Draco Rex did not ride a motorcycle unless it needed to ride a motorcycle to go to the concert where Yang Chuanosaurus was playing the piano. Enough of the piano! Would you kids please stop talking about the piano? Seriously, what kind of kids are you? Why do you kids want to talk about the piano? 
I'm trying to teach you something, children. All you want to do is talk about a motorcycle and a piano. But Emerson, I do believe that uh, Draco Rex was fast because it needed to, to be able to survive. Very good question. Okay, Tootie Ranadon, a Patreon member, asks, what if Carnotaurus didn't have horns? Could it still butt heads without horns? What an interesting question. Probably not. And let me explain why. The horns on its head were very thick and they were covered with something called keratin. That's what your fingernails are made of. So they were super thick and super heavy. But if those horns weren't there, then there would be nothing to protect its skull. Think about this, little Tutiranodon. If somebody's playing football and they're wearing a helmet, the helmet protects their head. But if they take their helmet off, they don't have any protection. Well, the same thing would have happened with Carnotaurus. It needed the horns if it was going to headbutt. Those horns are what would have protected its, its skull. If it didn't have it and it rammed into something with its head, it might crack its skull or really hurt itself. So this is a very interesting question, but in my opinion, it could not headbutt without those horns. All right, Harlem, age 10 from Sydney. I guess that's Sydney, Australia. Nice. Asked, if Cosmoceratops' horns pointed out to the side and predators were bigger than it was, then why were they out to the side? What a great observation. If you've ever seen Triceratops, its horns point forward. But if you ever see the skull of Cosmoceratops, they stick out to the side, more like the horns of, say, a bull. Well, I grew up on a ranch where we raise cows. And I can tell you, Harlem, that cows' horns are very effective weapons, even though they might be sticking out to the side instead of forward. In fact, no cow we ever had had horns sticking forward. They all stuck out to the side. And that they were excellent weapons because what they could do is they could swing their head from side to side. And let me tell you something. If you put your head down and you go charging at something, your head is down and your whole body is moving forward. If you try to charge a meat eater and it steps out of the way, you might run right past it. It can reach down and grab you by the back when you go by. But if you're a Cosmoceratops, you don't run at your predators. You stand your ground. And if the predator moves in, now you swing your head from side to side. It can't sneak up around behind you because Cosmoceratops could simply turn and be swinging its head. So instead of its weapons all pointing in the same direction, it has weapons pointing in two directions. Swing your head to the left, swing your head to the right. You're going to stab somebody. But if all of your weapons are pointing forward, then you can only point in one direction. Maybe Cosmoceratops had an advantage. So it was able to swing its head from side to side using those horns, and they could have been very effective weapons. That's a very good question. I like that a lot. All right. Uh, this is Samadarshi, who's a Facebook group member, asks, can Maraxis Gygus run down its prey? Yes, Samadarshi, I believe they could. Now, they're not long-distance runners. They're not made for chasing you down the way a, a lion chases prey or the way cheetah pre chases prey. Uh, not the way Draco Rex rides a motorcycle. Okay, whoa, seriously? I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, Simon Darshi. I, I, I just don't know where this is coming from. But um, Maraxis is not a long-distance runner. I believe that that dinosaur was fast, but only for a short distance. So that means that it knew in its brain where it, how far it could run and how fast. All predators do that, by the way, you guys. Animal predators know what they consider to be their catch zone, the catch and kill zone. That means they know exactly how close you have to be before they launch their sneak attack. Because if you're too far away, they know they're wasting their time because the predator, the prey will see them coming, hear them coming and escape. You have imagine like they draw in their mind, a circle around them and anything that comes in the circle, they know they can catch. Now, they don't actually draw a circle, but they know how far you have to be. So I believe that Maraxis knew in its mind how close you had to be. And if you were in their circle, their attack zone, or if you want to call it the kill zone, you can. But attack zone is a, is a kinder word. Once you came into that circle, that dinosaur is rushing out as fast as it can. And just because they show you in the movies that the dinosaur roars and screams when they run, I don't believe they did that. They're being quiet. They don't want to make a lot of noise. They want to get as close to you as they can before you look up and see them so you have no chance to get away. So I do think they would run down their prey, but only when it was in their attack zone. Great question. All right, here's another Facebook member. This is Aaron asked, are there any Ceratopsians with feathers? Another really interesting question. When I, I used to host a television show on the History Channel, and when we were filming for it, we went to go meet with some people that had found a triceratops and the skin was mummified and the skin had these little points on it, sort of like what you see on the skin of an ostrich, these little raised bumps. Well, on an ostrich, those raised bumps are where a feather connected to the skin. So they thought, listen, these ceratopsians may have had long feather-like things. They weren't using them to stay warm, but maybe they were using them as displays. Now, I will tell you, Aaron, that I never heard anything from that. So that might have been their first guess, and maybe they realized that's not what it was, or maybe they're still doing research. But it could be possible that ceratopsians may have had long feathers, not like feathers for flying, but more like some of the feathers that you see on the body of an ostrich. How cool would that be? You know what? Here's why I'm so glad that so many of you young people want to be paleontologists. When you grow up, you might find evidence of something that we got totally wrong. That happens all the time. We're always finding mistakes. That happens all the time. So there's so many mysteries out there that maybe one of you will be the one to find the answer. Maybe one day, Aaron, you will discover a mummified ceratopsian and you'll see the impression of the feathers and you'll go, they had feathers. How cool is that? All right. Hunter, age six asks, were there air sacs in the neck of titanosaurus? What were they used for? All right. Let me, let me tell you guys something. I saw a show on TV. I can't remember what, what the name of it is, but it showed these balloon looking things on the neck of titanosauruses. 
But to my knowledge, there is absolutely no proof whatsoever that those existed. I believe that is a hypothesis. And a hypothesis is a guess. When somebody makes a hypothesis, they are making a guess. I believe that that was somebody's hypothesis, but I do not believe that that has been proven and that all or that a large number of paleontologists agree with it. Something I want you kids to always remember, just because you see something on a TV show or in a movie theater, always keep in mind, sometimes when they're making movies, um, the people that make the movies want to add stuff to make it exciting, but it doesn't mean that all scientists agree with it. Sometimes they just kind of make stuff up. Now, I don't think they just made that up. There must have been some sort of evidence to support that. But I don't believe I've never read in any scientific paper that that has been proven. So for that, I cannot answer the question because I may not know. I will know. I will tell you this, though, guys, um, that there are air sacs within certain dinosaurs. That's where when they breathe air in like the way we take a breath, that air goes to an air sac. Some of them, they're in the neck, some are in the shoulders, some of them in the back. And that's where air was stored to make the dinosaur lighter. Kind of like having your own little, having your own little balloons inside of you to, to keep you light. But whether they use those for uh, in the neck, I don't know. All right. If you would like to submit a question, if you are a Patreon club member, check your Patreon club page. We've given you a link or a page where you can post your questions. So when you go, you look for that post. We've made a post to you. You look for that post and you list your questions. Um, if you would like to send them through our uh, Facebook group, the Dinosaur George Kids group, that's another place. You can post your questions there. Everyone needs to remember that we have, what did I say? We have 412,000 uh, listeners to this podcast. So there are a lot of questions that are sent to us and we can't answer them all. So don't get your feelings hurt. If you submit a question, mom and dad, if your child has submitted a question and we haven't responded, please resubmit it. Please resubmit it. Don't worry about that. We'll try our best to answer it. Okay. All right. How about we do a little who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. Prepare yourself. We have the first two members of the Who Would Win entering into the ring now. In this corner, Micro Raptor. In this corner, Compsonathus. Leo, age six, submitted these Who Would Wins. Micro Raptor versus Compi. Now, these are both small, but they're going to be super fast. So you better be prepared, my friends, because this fight is going to be like watching two Wildcats. These animals are coming in strong and they're fast as can be. One of them can fly, the other can't, but both of them, both of them have a lot of abilities. 
Let's start with looking at Microraptor. It is indeed a raptor with wings, giving it an advantage that it could at least leap into the air and maybe dodge an attack by Compi. So Microraptor has points because it can fly. Microraptor also has the killing claw on its foot. That in itself is a tremendous weapon used a great way to be able to use that weapon and cause injury. What does Compi have? Speed, baby, speed. Compies are fast, razor sharp little teeth, very sharp little claws too. They have very, very sharp claws. So Compies are not helpless. They are absolutely capable of holding their own. But I am afraid, Leo, that in this particular case, the battle is going to go to Microraptor because Microraptor simply has too many advantages. But what a great, great question. All right, Ben, who goes by B. Scorpius, and Will, who goes by W. Raptor. Dinosaur George without a stink bombs versus Scorpius Rex. Well, let's take a... All right, both of you. Both of you. You don't get any supper tonight. You have to go to bed without it because this is horrible. Why are you taking away my only weapon? You rotten boys. Why would you two take away my stink bombs? That's the only weapon I have. What am I supposed to do with Scorpius Rex? Throw a piano at it and hope that... Okay, enough with a piano. Seriously. Who came up with the piano? Why are you kids even talking about a piano? Stop talking about a piano, all of you. Can't believe it. So, (laughs) I have no chance whatsoever, B. Scorpius and W. Raptor, but I think you both know it, which is why you asked it. You want to see me get eaten? What kind of a kid wants to see me get eaten by a dinosaur? You naughty boys. Boys, you need to go to your mom and say, Mom, Dad. We were very naughty children. We made Dinosaur George fight without his stink bombs. And your mom's going to look at you and go, ooh, you have to go to bed with no dessert. And your dad's going to look at you and go, what is a stink bomb? And everybody's going to look at your dad and say, uh, dad, you have stink bombs under your arms. Please keep your arms down, sir. (laughs) William, age five, Velociraptor Pack versus T-Rex. Oh, William. Oh, William. First of all, let's look at the Velociraptor pack. Now, one of the advantages of hunting and living in a group is you learn each person's role. What that means is you all know what to do. You know what to do. You know how to attack. You know which one is the leader and you watch the leader who's going to give you some sort of suggestion, either with a hand signal or a flick of the tail or maybe even a sound that says attack. So they're going to come in in a coordinated effort like a like military. They're going to attack from all sides at one time. Here's the problem. You are attacking a monster. You are attacking an enormous dinosaur. Its legs are so much taller than you that velociraptors could not leap up and crawl onto its back. They couldn't get that far up because, first of all, it's re- they're really tall and velociraptors are short. So velociraptors could definitely do damage, but they simply couldn't do enough damage to cause T-Rex anything other than a lot of sharp cuts. It would hurt. It would hurt. T-Rex wouldn't be happy. 
But the minute T-Rex grabs you, that's the end of that. The only thing the raptors can do is hope that they can stay away from those giant jaws and stay away from the tail because T-Rex could swing that tail like a bat. So I'm going to have to give it to Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's simply too much. Good one. All right, this is from Noah. Utah Raptor versus Allosaurus. Man, this is a good one, Noah. And this is a tough one. I consider Utah Raptor to be the most dangerous dinosaur that ever lived. I believe that Utah Raptor is the most dangerous dinosaurs that ever lived. They are fast, not super fast. They're not made for super speed, but they're fast. They're agile. They're like ninjas. They probably lived and hunted in groups. They've got razor sharp claws on their hands. They got that big killing claw on their foot. They got teeth that point backwards, meaning when they bite you, they can hang on to you. I love Allosaurus, but I got to tell you something, Noah. I think you've put me in a bad position. I have to choose Utah Raptor because Utah Raptor, I believe, would have the ability to run up the leg of an Allosaurus. And once it gets on its back, Allosaurus cannot do anything. It can't reach around with its head and grab it. It can't use its hands. It can't use its tail. The only thing Allosaurus could do is drop to the ground and roll. But when you're big like Allosaurus, that could be an easy way to break a couple of bones. And then if you're down on the ground, Utah Raptor can finish you off. I'm going to give this one to Utah Raptor only because it is such an amazing dinosaur. And then finally, this is from Alberto. T-Rex versus Maraxis. Oh, I like this. All right. Maraxis has speed. T-Rex has power. Maraxis has sharp claws. T-Rex has big teeth. Maraxis was probably pretty swift. T-Rex more like a freight train. Maraxis might give T-Rex a run for its money. You might be looking at a you might be looking at a at a pretty amazing fight. Maraxis is not tiny as you all know, and if those of you don't know who Maraxis is, go back and look at my podcast, the one I just released earlier. It's on Maraxis so you can learn about it. This is a tough one Alberto because you may have you may have a dinosaur that could have been capable of taking on something as monstrous as Tyrannosaurus Rex. The fight would be instantly over if Rex ever got a hold of him. That just ends the fight. The question is, can Maraxis keep its distance? Can it run in? Can it circle it? Can it go under it? Can it go between its legs? Can T-Rex even catch it? I don't know. I would say that in this particular case, you might actually have a draw. And what that word means, a draw means that neither wins, neither loses. They just realize this has been a battle that we could both die in and we're going to keep our distance. Maybe this ends in a draw. I don't know. I don't know. All right. One of the greatest things about being a Patreon club member is if you are a T-Rex member of the Patreon club, your name is put on a wheel and we spin the wheel. And if it lands on your name, you get to be interviewed. So let's do an interview with a T-Rex member. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus club member. 
All right, one of the benefits of being a Tyrannosaurus Rex member is your name could be chosen to be interviewed. And today, I'm interviewing my friend, Gilbert. Gilbert, how you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? I'm good. Now, Gilbert works for me. Uh, comes in sometimes and volunteers at the museum. Gilbert, how how old are you now? I am turning 13. Well, I am 13. Wow. This year I'm going to be turning 14 in November. Oh, nice. So you're 13, going to be 14. And yep. um, how long how long have you liked dinosaurs, Gilbert? Since I've been like two, three years old. Really? What was it about them that, that got you so interested? Well... There was this TV show that I used to watch. I don't know if it still streams anymore. I've Googled it, and it's apparently a Canadian show. It was called uh, Dino Dan. Right. And it had like it was like a little kid, and he went around, and he was like a paleontologist, and he had a little journal, and he wrote about all the dinosaurs he sees. But, yeah, ever since I used to watch that, I've loved dinosaurs. That's it. Now, had, now, that, you're, now that you're older... Do you mm-hmm. like them less, more, or the same? I love them more. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of that I have learned, especially from you, it just made me learn more and made me love them even more. Well, that that's very kind of you, Gilbert. Thank you so much. I'm I'm glad. And you know, the cool thing when you're when you're little and you like dinosaurs, they're really cool. But as you get older, <laughs> you start to realize just how amazing some of these dinosaurs were well do you have now of all the dinosaurs do you have a favorite it depends which let's class for example like marine reptiles flying reptiles but if we were to go for like land dinosaurs i would say carnotaurus carnotaurus man well you know you saw the memo that we have a carnotaurus skull coming into the museum (laughs) Can't wait to see it. Oh, it's it is such a cool looking dinosaur. I mean, the pictures look great, but when you get up and look at its skull and you see how thick those horns were, man, that's a creepy looking predator. Man, he's cool looking. But, but one that's sorry, go ahead. No, please go ahead. Okay. One thing that's kind of odd is that you know how the Jurassic franchise, for example, like in Fallen Kingdom the T-Rex was stepping on top of the Carnotaurus. Right. So I've done some research, and I think I found out that Carnotaurus might have actually been bigger and a lot faster. Basically, they underestimated the T-Rex, well, not the T-Rex, the Carnotaurus in the Jurassic films. Right. One of the things, well, one of the things you have to remember, Gilbert, is that those movies, they're not concerned about accuracy. Yeah. You know, because they're making these in a lab. They're made kids and stuff. Right. Well, a lot of people don't realize how dangerous Carnotaurus is because they look at it and it's not giant. And so they think, well, it's probably not that bad. Man, that's not true at all. No, not at all. You know, it's like if if T-Rex was a lion, Carnotaurus would be a jaguar. And yeah. you'd... You need to be very afraid of jaguars, right? Yep. So, yeah, I love Carnotaurus. And, you know, there was a, I was in a museum once in California, and they had a whole model, life-size model of one. 
Wow. And, yeah, and it's cool looking. But, you know, Carnotaurus is so rare that scientists don't really know how big that thing could get. You know, when, when, you, when you find a skeleton, you don't know if you found the oldest or biggest, excuse me, you yeah. don't know if you found the oldest or biggest of the species. It just means that's the size of the one you found. And I think sometimes we make a mistake and say, well, if this is the one we found, then this is how big it grows. And that's a mistake. We don't know how big Carnotaurus could get. Well, I can tell you one thing. When you see those horns, how thick they are. See, my, my famous favorite Allosaurus has little horns on top of yeah. his head, but it's nothing. Nothing like the ones I will say that of all of the carnivores that have some sort of odd thing on their head, in my opinion, Carnotaurus is using those horns as weapons, whether against rivals as a way to knock down prey or to defend itself from bigger predators. But Carnotaurus is a bad dude. Yep. Now you had mentioned sea creatures. Do you have a favorite kind of prehistoric sea animal? Um. Well, I think my favorite prehistoric sea creature would be like Helicoprion. Oh, dude, I can't believe you mentioned that because I've got the jaw of Helicoprion coming in. Yes, it's not here yet. It's coming with the Carnotaurus. I can't believe you even mentioned that. That is awesome. (laughs) So you'll be able to, to look at that thing up close. And kind of figure out what it's doing. I mean, uh, for those of you that may not know, Helicoprion is a cool-looking shark with a very confusing-looking jaw. Like it, it looks like it almost looks like an ammonite, like a curled-up, yeah, like, like a wound-up kind of, rope or something. A buzzsaw. Yeah, a buzzsaw is a good description of it. Yeah, and it's like, what are they doing with that jaw? It's, Maybe it could be like to crunch up, or not crunch up, um, cut down smaller foods for swallowing. And that's certainly the possibility. I mean, that's certainly the possibility. Can, can You know, I've seen images of like swordfish that will swim into a school of fish and swing their head from side to side, you know, using yeah. that sword. Yeah. So, so animals, sea animals certainly can swing their head. Can you imagine if that shark came flying in? Swinging that thing from side to side, it would slaughter you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a cool-looking animal. I wish we knew more about it. But, you know, who knows? Maybe new discoveries will give us new information about it. The ocean is very mysterious. And to think we know very little of the ocean and how big it is. Yeah. You know, maybe prehistoric marine life could still be alive, but we just haven't discovered them yet. Absolutely. That's a brilliant point. Have you ever heard of the fish called a coelacanth? I think so. Yeah. Coelacanth was a fish that scientists had thought had gone extinct at the end of the Cretaceous. Turns out they're still alive. They find them. Yeah. They find them off the coast of Africa. They are still alive. So here scientists thought they had gone extinct 65 million years ago. Nope. They're still swimming around. And so to your point, who knows what else is out there? I have people ask me all the time if Megalodon's still alive. I'm like, listen, let's all hope not. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking about Megalodon, since you like Helicoprion, which is the shark, Mm -hmm. do you have an interest in Megalodon as well? Um, 
Sort of. I have seen a fallen megalodon, a megalodon jaw. Right. But another marine reptile that I like is like Dunkleosteus. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah, the armored-headed dinosaur. Yep. A dinosaur fish, not dinosaur. It's the armor-headed fish. Yeah, that thing is incredible. And those massive jaws are just nasty looking. Yeah, that dude was the top predator on Earth for a while during the Devonian. He was literally the top predator on Earth. So what about pterosaurs? Do you have an interest in any of the pterosaurs? Pterosaurs? Yeah, like the pterodactyls or any of those dudes? Pteranodon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You like Pteranodon. Well, I mainly said Pteranodon because I'm a dino nerd and I think that Pteranodon is the better way of saying pterodactyl. Yeah. But it's say Quetzalcoatlus. The, uh, the sheer size of a Quetzalcoatlus is amazing. Yeah. My question is, how did it take off? That I have no clue. It must have been really small. Well, not small. Like, it just has... Light. It should be really slow. Because holding the amount of body weight, it has to fly with those huge wings. It could maybe fly like a plane. Yeah. Like it could glide from a certain angle. Yeah. Or it doesn't require a lot of wind. It could just kind of turn into the wind and sort of maybe hop and then flap once. And just that alone would lift it pretty high off the ground. But it's got to be able to land and take off all the time. It has to do that. Maybe another one might be Dimorphodon. The amount of size, like how small they are, plus like their mouths. Yeah. Yeah. Dimorphodon was like a fighter jet. Quetzalcoatlus was a bomber. Man, I'd (laughs) love to see those small, like like Rampharynchus and, and Dimorphodon and those little dudes. I would love to see them flying because I think they would have been like jets. I think they would have been able to change direction really fast and zip around. And that, I think that's, I think that they would have been amazing. I personally think they would have been amazing to watch. It would look cool. Just watching them fly and then land on something that would just be nuts. So, so we've covered dinosaurs. We've covered sea animals. We've covered, uh, uh, aquatic flyers. What about mammals? What about animals that come after dinosaurs? Do you have any favorite of those? Um, does the Desmodus Dracula count as one? It's mine. It's more of like a big bat. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with him. I don't know, because I've heard of it before. I don't know. Man, I have to look him up. But they, yeah, that would still count. Any animal that comes after the age of dinosaurs, you know, there's there's obviously reptiles, mammals, fish, all those animals. Um, what about like some of the big Ice Age mammals that lived on land? You have any interest in those guys? Um, like the dire creatures, like a dire bear, dire wolf. Yeah, yeah. Those guys would have been cool as well. The the bears yeah. were terrifying. Man, when you come into the museum this weekend, wait till you see the size of the giant predatory pig skull I've got in there. You're not going to believe it. I can't wait. Oh, it's just, 
It's so ginormous, it's hard to imagine. It's just huge, massively huge. I've never seen one that big. It's just, it's, it's enormous. So, you know, you talked a little bit about the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World movies. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you go see the new one, Dominion? Yep, I actually have. But the odd thing about it was that in Recreelis, the theater by my house, right? they actually played it on the ninth at like 10 PM. So me and my parents went to go see it. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, do you know, I have still not seen it, Gilbert. You still haven't seen it. No, I have worked every single day since the movie came out. I have not had a day off since the movie came out. I recommend seeing it. It's really good. I I, I want to definitely want to go, uh, you know, this weekend, we're doing the grand opening of the new mm-hmm. museum exhibit. So next week I've got one or two days that I might be able to do it. But those days, I think I'm, I'm expecting some big shipments. So I may not be able to, I may be not be able to get out there and do it yet, but uh, I'm sure hoping to, I hope I can, I hope I can, because I definitely yeah. want to go see it. It just, it just looks like it's going to be amazing. That's too cool. So, so in that movie, Let's say you have the ability to bring a dinosaur back to life. Mm-hmm. If you could, what would you bring back to life and why would you bring it? Well, probably the Carnotaurus, but another one would be um, maybe Therizinosaurus. Oh, that'd be a cool one to see, right? And... Even though people might know a lot about it or might not know a lot about it, and they think that it was a carnivore because of how it killed the deer, it mainly didn't do that because it wanted to eat it. It was because it's very territorial. Ah, so in the movie, the, it it showed it killing a killing a deer. Man, I yeah. got to go see that movie now. I definitely got to go see that movie. Yep. God, that sounds so cool. And that Therizinosaurus, did, did it have really long claws in the movie? Mm, I think it might have made them a little bit longer than uh, claws. Right. But yeah, it did have long claws. Man. So if you could bring an animal back, you'd of course want to bring your Carnotaurus. I'd want to bring my Allosaurus, obviously. <laughs> but it would be a little fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, you're not allowed to bring your pet to my house and I'm not allowed to bring mine to your house because <laughs> it would eat everybody in the house. Have you seen the um, the Jurassic World Dominion Jeep advertisement? No. It's like big dinosaur and it's a little carnotaurus. No. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. The guy finds it, right? And he's driving yeah. around and then the mom comes it, and eats him at the end or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't mom. It was the little baby. He grew up and just ate him. Oh. <laughs> oh, see, I only saw parts of it and I thought. I thought it was its mom had showed up. I didn't realize it was him. He grew up and little baby grew up and he just ate him. <laughs> Man, there's your lesson. Don't ever raise a baby carnivore. <laughs> what about herbivores? Do you, do you have an interest in any of the plant eating dinosaurs? Um, I would say like maybe Cynoceratops. Yeah. The like crest. Yeah. 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 That's but, cool. 
Well, I got two new ceratopsians in the museum that you'll see this weekend. Um, I've added Cohela ceratops, and I've added uh, Cosmoceratops. I actually have another dinosaur, part of the Ice Age. I don't know if it was part of the Ice Age, but it's like Titanoboa. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's Cretaceous. Yeah, Titanoboa is a bad dude. Yeah. That's a huge, a huge snake. Almost terrifying to think the snake was that big. That, yep. that, I mean, it's just horrifying. You know, big snakes now scare me. I can't imagine yeah. what I'd do if I saw Titanoboa. That'd be disturbing. That'd I'm never going to look at a snake the same again. You and I both. So what about a career? Now, obviously you're still young and there's no need to worry, but do you, do you think paleontology is going to be something you're going to interest you're going to be interested in as a career or do you think it's just going to be more of just a love oh definitely i'll become a paleontologist i've actually had this planned out for years i've had it on my career path and how i'm going to go to college i'm going to utsa and i've done research i did research yesterday if you get like a master's degree in geoscience you can like learn paleontology so I'm going to be there for like two years, getting my master's degree, become a paleontologist and go on from there. Man, I am so proud of you, Gilbert. And I, I can't think of a better person to be a paleontologist. You know, the first time I ever met you, I knew you loved dinosaurs. In fact, it was the day you and your parents were in the store. And yeah. I, I still remember the look on your face. When you come in this weekend, you're not going to believe it. It's totally different now. It's totally different. And you're going to lose your mind now. I can't. Oh, yeah. And so when you're working, of course, you can do what you do before, which is, you know, be mm-hmm. behind the railing. And if you want to talk about one or all or just walk around or let people touch some stuff, we'll work all that out this weekend. Well, Gilbert, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so proud of you. And I just want to mention that you, you have always been such a polite young man. And you're so smart, and I'm so glad that you are a member of the T-Rex Club. Do you like the club? Oh, yes, very much. Good, good, good. Well, there are going to be people hearing you from all over the world. Is there anything you would like to say to anybody, uh, to anybody listening? Would you like to wish them good luck, or would you like to tell them to be a paleontologist? What would you like to say? I would like to tell everyone who hears this podcast to enjoy the knowledge that you have learned all over the years and to pursue your dreams. What an absolute brilliant comment. Gilbert, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. And I will see you this weekend. Thank you for having me here. All right, my friends, that is today's podcast. If you are a member of the Patreon Club and you would like to recommend a subject for an upcoming podcast, post it there and we'll try to add it. If you are part of our Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, you can post your recommendations there as well. We randomly select them and we'd love to hear from you. Remember, everybody, if you are a good artist, I'd like for you... (laughs) I'd like for you... (laughs) to try to post a picture of Yang Chuanasaurus playing the piano. (laughs) If you don't have a Yang Chuanasaurus toy, an Allosaurus toy would work. You can put one in front of your real piano if you have one or anything. Listen, you guys, 
Keep being kind to each other. Be nice to everybody. Make friends. Teach them. If you are an older brother or sister, teach your little brother or sister about dinosaurs. If you want to grow up and be a paleontologist, read as many books as you can. And remember, there are so many fossils that are waiting to be discovered, and they'll be discovered by you. So I hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast. Have a great day, everybody. I'll talk to you all soon. Take care, you guys. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.